Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. An Erio's original. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst-case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith and I am The Alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we're discussing the War of the Bucket. Here's what you need to know. In the dark of a medieval night in Italy, a group of soldiers from the city-state Modena snuck into their neighboring rival city, Bologna. The men padded down the cobblestone streets to the city's well, which supplied the Bolognese citizens with fresh water. Managing to avoid capture, the Modenese soldiers snatched the well's bucket, said to be the only bucket in the entire city, 
and scurried back to their own city to display their stolen prize possession. When the people of Bologna awoke to discover the theft of their precious bucket, they sought swift revenge by declaring all-out war on Modena. The myth of the stolen bucket in 1325 was passed from generation to generation as instigating the war, but in reality, Modena and Bologna had been in conflict for centuries. Since the fall of the Roman Empire, Italy was a divided peninsula with different cities pledging their allegiance to either the religious papacy or the imperial Holy Roman Empire. Two factions formed, and the group known as the Guelphs sided with the Pope, while the group known as the Ghibellines sided with the imperial powers. Separated by about 40 kilometers, the cities of Modena and Bologna had spent years fighting for control of the trade in northern Italy. To strengthen their claim, Modena declared an alliance with the pro-papacy Guelphs, and Bologna supported the pro-imperial Ghibellines. When Modena captured a Bolognese castle, the Bolognese army mobilized and declared war. The two rivals fought in the Battle of Zappolino on November 15, 1325. Despite being outnumbered 5 to 1, Commander Bonacolsi of the Modenese troops carried out a strategic campaign and defeated the Bolognese in only a few hours. Sometime during the battle, Modenese troops stole a bucket at one of the wells outside the city walls of Bologna and kept it as a symbol of victory, courage, and superiority. Fun Facts, a.k.a. Death Stats The Bolognese had 32,000 in troops, while the Modenese only had 7,000 soldiers. The total death toll was roughly 2,000 soldiers, with some historians stating 1,500 Bolognese casualties and 500 Modenese casualties. The myth that the war started from a stolen bucket most likely comes from a mistranslation of a satirical poem written about the events. This myth was left unchecked and grew extremely popular in modern history. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. And fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. And our very special guest today is our friend, James Bladen. Hi, James. Hi, Rebecca and Ed Clayton and Chris. Hey, James. It's great Hi. to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, my God. It's been, it's, I haven't, we haven't spoken here on The Alarmist since the bubonic plague. That is very true. And you guys have grown and blossomed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a lot since then. And, and I have blossomed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so hopefully this is going to work out well. Oh, my um, God. Our listeners. Yeah, yeah. They're going to be so wowed by you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because everyone remembers the, Bubonic plague? You say Well, bubonic. we had a big fight about this, it. You called oh. it the, uh, I called it the bubonic. You called you call the it bu- bubonic because it's scary. I, right. Or booby, mm. like scary. boobs. Oh, no, I was going to say <laughs> bubonic. <laughs> mm. uh, That's right. I called it bubonic because uh, you I was trained. You I was trained in the liquid you, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. A professional so, here. That was one of our first episodes on the Alarmist, it was, wasn't it? I believe it was number two. Wow. wow. That was number two? Mm. Yeah, number two. James, you're uh, old school. Wow. James, uh, we like to start off, I don't know if we did back then, but we like to start off the show by asking our guest, what is something that is recently alarming you? What is something that's keeping you up at night? 
Hmm. I have to narrow it down to one. <laughs> uh, no. I'm not. I haven't done much research about it, but monkeypox sounds a little yeah scary. Good answer. Um, <laughs> although monkeys generally is kind of a funny term. Mm-hmm. Like monkeys are always kind of funny, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. they're pox, not so much. <laughs> That's no. the serious wow. side of them. <laughs> the pox was serious. Maybe it's yeah. Maybe I don't know why it is, but I, I've just seen little pictures of hands with. Sores on them. Did you guys see oh, that? Oh no! Of yeah, the, of I've the seen a few of those. Pox. Oh man! Yeah. Monkey hands or human hands? I think they're human hands. Okay. With monkey mm. pox. Okay. Aww. And uh, yeah, not funny. So, n- <laughs> you know what it is? I it, it's. I think monkeys are associated with eating bananas, and bananas <laughs> are comedy. You can slip and fall on one. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. And and monkeys. We're all we have, uh, you know, throughout history been dressed up as people mm. because we're kind of close, and they and they've been given roller skates, <laughs> oftentimes. They are, and they might be the funniest animal. They're the they're the funniest animal, I think. <laughs> I do. I think that the monkeys, because it feels like the conversation is turning into why are monkeys funny, and I think monkeys are funny because they're almost people mm. exactly they're very precocious <laughs> like james was saying if you put a pair of rollerblades on them they can't they can't handle it or some or it's just funny to watch them try and be like us put a, <laughs> right. put a pair of rollerblades on me and it's not as nothing funny, funny about yeah. it it's, it's actually quite it's really exciting. cool and yeah, awesome really and cool. <laughs> oh i, I thought dangerous i thought thrilling. you were going dangerous <laughs> thrilling yeah no and well it's i come up against the danger and that's mm. what makes it so sort of exciting yeah monkeys i think that's right i think because they're close to people it's fun to to dress them up you know there was a show i don't know if you guys are familiar with lancelot link secret chimp back in the 70s <laughs> no we missed it the great title up? that's secret why chimp. i'm here is to tell you about history mm. lancelot uh, link secret chimp yeah i'm looking at it right now yeah it was a whole show completely comprised of chimpanzees dressed up and 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 he was basically I, it was, I don't know if it was kind of like get smart almost, but it was, uh, he was uh, crime solving. He had an accent like Humphrey Bogart. Mm. No, 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 wait. No, no, yeah, no, he did. And, uh, and ev- all these chimps had names. There was uh, Mata Harry was the, uh, one of the <laughs> villainous chimps. Mm. <laughs> and anyway, Lancelot Link would go around and, and uh, solve these crimes. But the whole thing was like, you know, chimps dressed up in various costumes, playing drums, you know, doing all this crazy stuff. Right. And it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's my theory then. Monkeys are looking for a rebrand, right? Mm, Hence, yeah. they want to more serious. They want to be considered more serious. They want to go from right. comedy to drama and okay. hence the monkey pox. Right. It's a was real. It Jane, do we have Jane Goodall to blame for making monkeys less funny? Well, she was more gorillas, right? Mm, yeah. So, James, yeah. uh, I, I've heard that you've actually traveled to see the bucket. Rebecca, let me explain something. Okay. You know, history is something that I think is very important. We're all, mm. we're all interested in it. That's why we're here. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of these armchair guys who just wants to read about something. Well, <laughs> I want to go experience it. Wow. <laughs> so if it costs tens of thousands of dollars, I'm in. So, Did you bring the whole family? Yes. <laughs> brought the whole family. Wow. <laughs> sure, we did a few other things whilst there. Right. But the thrust of the trip is to see the bucket. 
Wow. Now, so yes, I have been there. Wow. What was that experience like? Um, tell us. Is there a museum or something? Well, let, yeah, you would think. So when you read about it, <laughs> mm-hmm. you get very excited because it's an interesting story. And you start, this bucket starts to take on a, a larger than life kind of vibe to it. Mm. So when you start thinking about it, you're like going, okay, okay, we got to get it. We got to get tickets for this in advance. <laughs> it's months away, but we better get our tickets. <laughs> Parking is going to be a nightmare near the bucket. I just know it. <laughs> Within two miles, ah. it's going to be insane. So you kind of are thinking this is going to be a real big deal. But when you get there, we had a hard time finding it because, oh. <laughs> because it's we're not a in, big deal. It's not as big a deal, I guess, to tourists. So we went to Modena, which uh, we were when we first got to Rome, we were corrected by our uh, Ubu driver, basically, when we said we're going to uh, one of the places we're going is Modena. And he said, what? (laughs) Like he had no idea what we were talking about. Right. And so we said, Modena. He's like, oh, Modena. Oh. And we thought, like, oh, you really didn't know yeah, what, it's a, what yeah. I was getting at. Really, yeah. asshole? Yeah. Already, <laughs> I hate Italy. No. So you're uh, on the Bolognese side. Bo- no. Just kidding. No, yes, exactly. <laughs> so uh, when we got to Modena, yeah, you'd think there'd be signs and a huge billboard. But no, there isn't. So we looked around. We were looking on the map trying to find it. Um, we finally got near it because I guess, that, you know, we, we basically had to do use old school kind of Hardy Boys technology, um, dusting for prints and that sort of wow. thing. Okay. Wow. So, but we would ask people, we would say, you know, asking locals, we'd say, you know, we walk up to some information kiosk and say, where is the bucket? And they would have no idea what we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy now, tourists. Yeah. How are American. your kids responding to this? They were really into it. In oh, fact, okay. I have pictures of the bucket, and what, the only one picture I really have with a person in it is my son, because he was very excited about seeing the bucket. Mm-hmm. Mm. So we finally kind of narrowed it down. And as maybe we'll talk about, it's, was, it was kept, and you kind of still see pictures of it in this mm-hmm. tower of, uh, what's it called, Ghirlandina, uh-huh. uh, which is, I think, part of the cathedral there in Modena. And uh, if you go in there, which we found that, and you go in there and you look up, you see there is a bucket up there and you see pictures of that, but it's a, it's a um, replication. It's it's a, mm. uh, because the real bucket is too valuable to put up there. So somebody <laughs> knows its value. Mm. So there is a bucket hanging up there, but it's not the bucket. So then we kind of go, well, where's the actual bucket? So close to there, I think across the little square there, there is a um, city hall. And so we went in City Hall, but there's no lines, anything. We were just like, is it in here? We talked to someone at the bottom of the thing. And they said, they, all of a sudden, the first person who knew what the bucket was was like, yes, third floor. <laughs> third so, floor? Third floor. Yeah. So we walked up I to have the, a and feeling. I, I don't want to ruin the ending, but I have a feeling a janitor is going to be standing on it, changing a light bulb. <laughs> it's going to be full of water, and he's not. Uh, we walked, as, and as we went, too, we're kind of rushing up the stairs. We saw no one except for a couple employees. There was no one there but us in the city hall of Modena going to the bucket. So we got up to the thing. And that was the thing. There was no pomp nor circumstance. And so we wow. sort of got up there and were like, there it is. It's right in front of us. There was no one around. No, nobody with Uzis or guard, nobody with you no know, guards? guns. 
<laughs> no one was guarding the bucket. No one was guarding the bucket. So then, the, then we started thinking, like, we could take this bucket very easily. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but there was no one on that floor even. So it was kind of like we, after we saw the bucket, I'll just fast forward a little bit. There was we were wandering around these rooms with paintings up in them, and there was a table and a bunch of chairs and an open mic. And my son George sat down. We had like an impromptu press conference <laughs> <laughs> for about ten minutes. Didn't there? there was no one around? Wow. So anyway, it was it, that so, was our well, bucket. If, I mean, if Lancelot Link was there, he might have st- stolen the bucket. It would have absolutely. Been, it would have been hilarious. That would have been that funny. Would have been funny. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um. I think we should start off by putting the bucket up on the board. Okay. Just for being a bucket. It's a little victim yeah. blamey, don't you think? It is. <laughs> Although it sure I, the, is. the bucket didn't suffer during the war, did it? Well, it, it didn't. It was just no. relocated. No, no. It was it just like destroyed. a trophy. It was a trophy. Okay. It was a trophy. Now, this is according to Amusing Planet. The War of the Oaken Bucket, as it is popularly known, was fought in 1325 between the rival city-states of Bologna and Modena in Italy. It started when a group of Modenese soldiers sneaked into Bologna and stole an oak bucket used to draw water from a well located in the center of the city. While the bucket itself held no historic or sentimental value, the affront hurt Bologna's pride, and the humiliated Bolognese demanded the bucket be returned. The Modernese refused, which outraged the Bolognese, and war was declared upon them. So it was just a simple bucket. It wasn't anything special. It was, but I will say that that, as you probably know, that story is, I think, somewhat apocryphal. It's a myth. Yes. It sounds like something straight out of Sofia Pacello's mouth. You know, like, do you guys know what I'm referencing? No. No. The Golden Girls. Sophia oh. Petrillo. Oh, oh, oh. Who would always be like, picture it, Sicily, you know, 1985, <laughs> whatever. But it's just like the story, like the legend that this bucket has become just seems like such a lovely Italian story for it's fun's true. sake. Maybe it's uh, worth ex- exploring or at least putting up on the board symbolism in storytelling. Mm. The power. The power of, of myth, symbolism. The fe- mm. Symbolism. The bucket as a symbol of what? Um. Of well, I have a theory about that. Yeah, tell us. Well, well, should we say what the actual? I mean, I, I think that that story is really fun. That the war is over the bucket. Yeah, but I think the the story, as I think, really happened, is still very good. Yeah, Be- because like you said, it was ended up being a trophy um, that the Modenese took from Bologna, basically after conquering them. And uh, one theory that I saw was that. You know, um, the bucket which they were using in Bologna was for in a well, and they would drop it down in the well to get their water. According to what I read, in Modena, they had the technology to make artesian wells, which basically used a, used physics, and they would dig down, and, and using the physics of, the I guess, the water table somehow, uh, they could basically make the water come up like a fountain almost uh, because oh. of the, the physics of, of how they would dig these artesian wells. Uh-huh. So one thing was that they were kind of laughing at the Bolognese that they had this old technology that you guys don't even know how to mm. dig an artesian well. You're using this old uh, technology and we're going to steal it from you. Wow. So it's it's a, yeah, it's like a big FU kind of like a, we're making you the laughing stock. We're, we're giving you a wedgie kind of. <laughs> exactly. 
Exactly. And this is like if I see somebody who's still using a flip phone, like I throw I throw trash at them or, or humiliate mm-hmm. them in some way. Mm-hmm. Old exactly. Te- old technology these days. It, it makes deserves to be mocked. Pro- yes. <laughs> For those, they were the, the Bolognese were the sort of the Luddites of that time. Right. Mm. We uh, should throw a banana at them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anything would work. <laughs> throw anything. Yeah. Now, uh, yeah, so so that was actually, you're right. So it is kind of a myth, this idea that the war started because someone stole a bucket. I mean, it was it was a, a secondary, um, really. The, the bucket was secondary. So let's throw church-state rivalry up on the hey, board. Tell us about mm-hmm. it. So this is according to New World Encyclopedia. From 800 CE, the popes had claimed to be the representative of the Christ of Christ the King of Earth. Okay? Increasingly, kings claimed that God blessed their succession, even the even that they were semi-divine. They did not need the pope, lacking coercive force. The popes generally relied on the threat of excommunication to exert authority. This did not always work without also without also commanding a degree of temporal power through the control of territories. The papacy could not expect kings to simply comply. So I'm currently watching just finished under the banner of heaven, uh, which I really recommend. But something that happens in that show is different people just like say like okay i've 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 spoken to god i am i am now the divine power <laughs> they just i heard self-appoint. it they, <laughs> they self-appoint <laughs> right. and they're just like they're just like okay i heard it and turns right. out if you I'm, question I'm me you're one. questioning god like, yeah how can you question god and the fact that these like people could just be like okay well i'm I I I'm divine, right? I've I speak to God. I've been told by God. <laughs> yep. That it's a good argument. I'm, you know, is wild. It's wild. But it's something that can you know it has been happening. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think the you know Mormon uh, Book of Mormon basically came out of the same kind of thing. Like I've gotten these, I found these these tablets, or or I forget what they actually were, but and only I can interpret them. And here's here's mm-hmm. what right. they say. Right. So I think that's a standard thing that that's hard for people to uh, say isn't true. You know, because then you're almost denying that God exists if you say, mm-hmm. "Well, no, He didn't," because you know. Right. Uh, right. So you're saying like just doubting it. Would, in all fairness, these were people in power, right? So I guess right. it's a little different than. Uh, what I'm thinking about in Under the Banner of Heaven, where it's just people that are part of a congregation <laughs> and are like, wait, no, no, I'm I'm the one. <laughs> um, right. But this is just like, okay, I was born into this. I've been told for ages that it's, you know, since I, I'm, I'm small, that this is going to be um, my fate, right? This is this is what I'm meant to do, and and now I I command, and I don't need the Pope. So I, I really, it's just a power struggle. Exactly. I, from my understanding, it really was basically a power struggle between the Holy Roman Roman Empire uh, and then the uh, the papacy, and the two factions basically that that the city states would align themselves with uh, 
they were either the Guelphs or the uh, Ghibellines, I, I think it's pronounced. Um, and so that is how they sort of started um, really dividing up the country in terms of their their allegiances, rather to the to the emperor or the uh, the pope. So and let's so- put all of these up on the board, and let's put the first the Holy Roman Empire uh, up on the board. This is according to Encyclopedia.com. The Holy Roman Empire was a feudal monarchy that encompassed present-day Germany, the Netherlands, Belgium, Luxembourg, Switzerland, Austria, the Czech, and Slovak republics, as well as part of parts of eastern France, northern Italy, Slovenia, and western Poland. World history says the Holy Roman Empire officially lasted from 962 to 1806. It was one of the Europe's largest medieval and early modern states, but its power base was unstable and continually shifting. Now, first of all, before I go on, that's crazy. That's almost a thousand years. Mm. It's a good run. It's a good run. It's a good okay. run. This is uh, according to Britannica. Unlike earlier emperors during the Holy Roman Empire, who had based their position on their special relation with the church, the Hohenstaufen... I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Hohenstaufen, uh, emperors who ruled the Holy Roman Empire from 1138 until 1254, emphasized its secular foundations. The conflict with the papacy and the desire to restore imperial power drew the emperors more and more into Italy. So they're fight they're just fighting with the church um and let's go ahead and go through this and and put the papacy up on the board as well the church this is yeah. a corner right yeah i think they Roma. both kind of had equivalent amounts of power at a certain point and it was a real struggle for like because originally it was the the holy roman roman emperor i think it was charlemagne maybe was the first one uh, who said like, "Hey, can you crown me Holy Roman Emperor to the Pope?" Mm-hmm. And the Pope said, "Yeah, and, and you crown me the Pope." It was this weird kind of circular <laughs> thing of of them crowning each other, mm-hmm. and that they it, it eventually became like, "Well, which one of us has more power?" And I think it it kind of evened out later on, um, and then that's that's why it was such a tough struggle because not one of them was the clear winner in this situation. Mm, no clear winner. Let's put that up on the board, okay. too. Um, we <laughs> love to a clear winner. Yeah, you, it's very important. Um, yeah. This is according to the New, uh, New World Encyclopedia. The papacy is the office of the pope, who is the leader of the Roman Catholic Church. After Christianity became the favored religion of the Roman emperors in the fourth century, the papacy was involved in a period of close interaction with the rulers of the West, while often struggling for supremacy with the Eastern emperors. This is according to Wikipedia, and our uh, researcher, uh, associate producer Alex says, so sorry to use the source. It's really the clearest way to explain. So <laughs> apologies from Alex. Uh, Thank you, Alex. <laughs> the papacy... Accepted. Right. (laughs) The papacy in the late Middle Ages played a major temporal role in addition to its spiritual role. The conflict between the Pope and the Holy Roman Emperor was fundamentally a dispute over which of them was the leader of Christendom in secular matters. In the early 14th century, the papacy was well past the prime of its secular rule. Its importance had peaked in the 12th and 13th centuries. Britannica says, at times, the papacy suffered from weakness and corruption. In 1294, 
Bonif- uh, Boniface, oh yeah, Boniface the Eighth was elected pope. Uh, there were seven other Bonifaces. <laughs> yes, <laughs> different times. And they just back. kept stacking them up. Keep I it guess going. Boniface name. was the James of now. You know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so he's the elected pope, bringing to power one of the most extreme advocates of papal authority. Papal corruption and the humiliation of Boniface forced the papal court to move under French influence to Avignon in 1309. This so-called Babylonian captivity of the papacy lasted until 1377. The Avignon popes, though skilled administrators, were not distinguished by their piety. So a lot of corruption is happening Mm, behind the scenes. Should we throw up some corruption? Good old-fashioned corruption? Sure. Or no? And I think, yeah, I mean, Boniface didn't really help the situation. He seemed to be uh, an extreme... uh, Advocate. Radical. Yeah, he was a radical. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, the, it seems like this struggle between the two was it was hundreds of years uh, going on for hundreds of years and couldn't really be boiled down to as much as it. I would like to simplify it down to a stealing of a bucket started this war between uh, the two sides. But and, and I want to jump ahead from where you want to go, Rebecca. But we, you know, uh, when I read about the actual. Um, conflict between the Modenese and the uh, and Bologna. It was uh, it's pretty entertaining. Well, <laughs> let's let's jump into that so that we can. Um, yeah, I feel like we've set set up. The yeah, nice we set up the stage, right? So yeah. first, first, there's the Emperor Frederick the First Barbarossa, and this is according to Britannica. It was during the reign of the Hohenstaufen Emperor Br- Frederick the First Barbarossa from 1152 to 90, that the terms Guelph and Ghibelline, Ghibelline, I think it's Ghibelline or Ghibelline? I think it's Ghibelline. I saw Ghibelline, but, you know, I don't know. Okay, okay. Ghibelline, Ghibelline, acquired significance in Italy as that emperor tried to reassert imperial authority over northern Italy by by force of arms. Frederick's military expeditions were opposed by the newly elected Pope Alexander III. Frederick's attempts to gain control over Italy thus split the peninsula between those who sought to enhance their powers and prerogatives by siding with the emperor and those who, including the popes, opposed any imperial interference. Most often, previously existing factions in the cities, usually among the nobility, adopted a pro-papal or pro-imperial attitude, thus drawing themselves into the wider international struggle. So you had to pick a side. And let's talk about this power vacuum that's happening in Italy. This is according to Britannica, and we can put power vacuum up on the board, Clayton. Okay. After the final extinction of the Hohenstaufen Empire in 1268, the Guelph and Ghibelline conflict changed in meaning. Guelphism constituted a system of alliances among those who supported the Angevin presence in southern Italy and the popes. The Guelphs became a conservative force, a property-owning group interested in maintaining the exile of the Ghibellines, whose holdings had been confiscated. Ghibellinism became associated with a nostalgia for the empire. History of Yesterday said, In 1325, Italy had not been fully united, according to modern borders, since the fall of the Roman Empire, 
After their collapse, a power vacuum formed in the Italian peninsula, which allowed for many powerful city-states to form and take power. This then led to an internal conflict that would span for almost 300 years. Cities would often decide their allegiance based on rival cities surrounding them as to gain an alliance to hopefully defeat their rivals. In 1325, the two cities of Modena and Bologna had been in conflict for centuries, both wanting to to control trade and wealth coming in the region of Emilia Romagna, I think I said that wrong, in northern Italy. This led to these two cities siding with two different sides in the conflict, with Modena declaring allegiance to the Ghibellines and Bologna to the Guelphs. So, James, you're nodding your head along. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this is all very accurate. Now, is there anything you know, uh, just based on this, you, you said it was there was even more interesting details about this conflict. I mean, it's two yeah. towns. They're like 30 miles apart or something. Yeah. Yes, exactly. 30 mm-hmm. miles apart. Yeah. So what I read was that they were just constantly uh, uh, at, at, at odds with each other. And they would, I know that the um, Bolognese uh, would... <laughs> You know, because there were 30 miles separating them, they would, you know, bring their army forward and kind of take over some of the land of of, uh, the Modanese and burn stuff and and just wreak havoc. And then at one point they did that and then just actually took some of their land. And I think the Pope who was behind them was going like, hey, that's great. Great job. (laughs) <laughs> um, and then they, they built these, I don't know if they built them or not, but there were these forts there that, that right on the border between the two lands. And, um, those became kind of crucial in, um, in, in the battle between the two of them because the, the, uh, Bolognese, uh, held them. And so if Modena, if you look at a map, you can see that if Modena tried to go the, the regular route to, to attack, um, Bologna, they could get basically flanked by these people in these forts, ah. you know, that were, I think were Monto, uh, what is it called? Monteveglio and Zappolino. Um, and so from, from my understanding, it's like, yeah, so Bolognese were, were, were going up there and ravaging and just burning fields and doing all this stuff. And they had a gigantic army. So they, they raised, I think it was something like 30,000 troops. And like 2,500 cavalry soldiers and Modena only had, I think around seven or 8,000 troops, but, mm. but they were very different in that Modena's troops were much more trained. They were much more, uh, armed, much better. And so it was, uh, you know, they're going up against these people that were basically drafted for the Bolognese army was, mm. was, drafted and they were not they didn't have high morale and didn't care that much uh, apparently <laughs> it's like farmers and, right it was like yeah hey and they come were given on we're going to fight <laughs> exactly so there's a lot of them but they're kind of idiots and uh you know they be like if you put podcasters in war today oh my god exactly exactly <laughs> we bring our so, headphones and our microphones and start swinging exactly <laughs> so i think the modenese at a certain point went down and and um they were going to try to basically, um, they, they took one of these forts that they had, the, the Mont, they were, they basically took all their army down there. They were going to attack this Monteveglio. And, um, so they showed up and they're about to attack. And then the guy who's the head running the place comes out and goes, stop, don't attack. I'm actually on your side. I, I side with you guys. You can have it. And so without any battle, 
they basically gave up the fort. So now these guys had one of the two big forts that were there. Um, and then, so now all they needed to do was, um, then both armies, basically the 30,000, the Bolognese and the, um, much smaller seven or 8,000 Modenese army kind of came to, there was a river, I think, dividing the two lands. And they sort of came together and, um, they couldn't get across because I think they were going to try to uh, take that other fort and they uh-huh. couldn't get across the river. So they did this thing where they pretended to attack far up, uh, the river in another area and all the, a lot of the, um, Bolognese army went to that area mm-hmm. and then they sneaked around the other side at night and, and crossed the river and, and were able to get to this other fort basically. Ooh, sneaky. They're very smart. And then, um, so then, then there, then they, they figured out what's happening. The Bolognese army, then they all basically arrived at this one fort and, ha- and, and normally, you know how, how in olden days they would fight very fairly, you know, like they would line up basically and shoot at each other, yeah. you know, it's or insane. It, yeah. it's really wild. It it's drives really crazy. me nuts. And, and, and apparently what happened was it was getting dark, you know, so they were like, normally people would just set up camp, get a good night's sleep and then kill each other in the morning. Mm. But. I think the Mod- the Modanese were like, you know what? The time it's now or never. We gotta go <laughs> and attack them right now at dusk. And so they, the the um, Bolognese army was was not prepared. They started. They went right at them with their small forces, and 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 then a little one little battalion, or they, I think one cavalry group of cavalry, went around the side, went around this hill, and came at them, flanked them from the side, and they freaked out, thinking like we're completely surrounded. Oh. So they all started fleeing out of there of course i mean they hadn't even had their cappuccino right (laughs) that's right right. scones and i I mean uh you know croissants were scarce and Mm. um at this time and so apparently i'm sorry i'm dominating this but but no what happens is um so they all flee back and they retreated and so they got that for it and then the modanese just kept marching they went all the way to the gates of um bologna and when they got there they didn't try to breached the city walls or anything like that, but they set up camp and apparently had like a three-day party where they just went nuts and got drunk. (laughs) and very Italian. Yeah, and forced the Bolognese to just watch them enjoying their win outside of it. Really rubbing their face in it. That's so... Really rubbing their face in it. And then apparently it was at this time, before they left, this is the story. I don't know exactly how they did it, but this is when they got the bucket, apparently. This is when they got the bucket. It was post. It so was post-war. It was like a drunken stunt, kind of like, you know, it, yeah, a frat house, bunch of frat yeah. boys grab, <laughs> grabbing, of. The, grabbing the bucket. Now, you made me think of something I wanted to put up on the board, which is bad, like, neighborly etiquette. Okay. Mm. Right? Yeah. They just didn't know how to deal with one another. And throwing a party in someone's, in your neighbor's lawn. Front yard. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's disrespectful yeah. for sure. <laughs> Yeah. And then grabbing their like newspaper, you know, and and right. just like hanging it um, uh, in front of their house, you know, mm. it's not it's not a way to make friends mm. in the neighborhood. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's not uh, it's it's that's not going to be a, a method that will lead to, you know, borrowing spices and sugars and things no. like that. No, <laughs> no, it's hard no. to recover from that. James, yeah. would you say that the um, based on your uh, research that the Modanese were you, you said that they had sort of a 
more skilled cavalry. Would mm-hmm. you say that they were more um, trained and kind of prepared for this kind of like battle scenarios? Like clearly they kind of outsmarted the, the larger Bolognese uh, yes. army. Yeah, it, yes, exactly. I think they were much more um, just thrown together. These guys were not uh, armed very well and, and not trained. And I think mm. that the, the Modenese army was trained by, by like the, the more, um, I don't know if they were noblemen, but they were, you know, uh, trained soldiers that had mm. actual weapons and much smarter, which shows you that strategy can mm. really beat out just sheer numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know what you're doing and you've got, you know, because you kind of think like, even once they all came together, there was still way more yeah, of they- the Bolognese army. Mm-hmm. But what were the Bolognese doing? They were, like, they still had more people. I mean, I know that sadly, like 2000 people died right. um, at, during this uh, war or this battle. But once the Modenese were in Bologna and they were just like par- partying, and they're like rubbing it in their faces. <laughs> they still had way more people that could have been like, hey, man, get out of here. You well, know? <laughs> yeah. A good question. But strategy, the absence of strategy and leadership, I mean, can kind of maybe s- s- tell you what, tell you that, tell you the answer to that question, right? Right. I just want to go to Bologna and just like shake them and be like, come on, guys, get it together. Yeah. When you're being taunted outside, like you said, you know, if they're, they're leaving like probably horse tracks on their front lawn and everything. And they're probably, you know, just screaming and getting drunk. You would think that they would just be like, hey, let's launch some like flaming arrows or something yeah. at them. Uh-huh. But but I think at that point, once you're retreating, maybe there's a retreat mentality that you feel like you mm. almost give them more credit for. You don't know how many there really are. I don't think, you know, in, in hindsight, right. we can say well, there's 8,000 of them, but they, maybe they don't know. Yeah. And uh, maybe once you're retreating, you start just feeling like, please don't come in. Mm. (laughs) it it was more formal back then so (laughs) who knows yeah now before we start knocking things off this list which um will happen soon i just want to say like i want to point out the fact that like eventually they like signed a treaty and we're like okay let's get it together you know neighbors let's figure this out but the modenese were like we'll figure this out we'll give you back your castles but we're keeping the bucket. We're never giving this bucket back. Mm, yes. Like it's Good so point. petty. <laughs> right. Of all the things. Cause they had to, I think Bologna had to pay reparations or something like that to, right. to, to Modena. And they had to give the back those forts and everything that they had taken, but they're <laughs> keeping the bucket. That was their number one thing on the treaty. Because we're not giving back the bucket. Wait, is that true? Is yes. What you, the, so, he just went to Modena to see it. the bucket. No, they I still know, have but, it. Okay. So when we before when we were talking about the myth and whatever, the, that was just that that's the bucket started the war. Right. That's it, the myth. Yeah. Exactly. The, the significance came after the war. But or, Chris, yeah. your point your point could be yes. Do we know for sure that? I don't think I've seen the treat the actual the treaty. treaty that they made. And was the bucket on there? I don't know for sure. Okay. Okay. So you, your point, your skepticism is, uh, I think, correct. Well, you know, I'm the okay. fact checker and fact, right. I, I breathe facts like air. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I drink mm-hmm. out of them like a bucket. Mm-hmm. So I, I, wa- I want to know what the facts are. Yeah. So I, I think like if we don't have anything else to put up on the board, do, do we? 
I, I think we're good. Yeah. Let's take a quick break and then we'll start knocking things off the board. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at The Alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash alarmist. Okay, who's to blame for the war of the bucket? Is it the bucket? The power of symbolism? Church-state rivalry? The Holy Roman Empire? The papacy slash the church? No clear winner? Corruption? Emperor Frederick Barbarossa? A power vacuum? Or bad neighborly etiquette? Mm. Hmm. Hmm. This is tough. Do we want to put up Charlemagne? For starting? I I think that's reasonable because he's the first one that started this uh, odd kind of transfer, the power of like this weird power imbalance. Well, just like the symbol of the bucket was so strong for these two uh, sides and for history, the symbolism of being crowned the king of Holy Roman Empire, because really that's all it was. It was a symbol. Hey, if people see you put this crown on my head, 
yeah. it'll have more significance. Mm. So I think that there's a parallel there. So I, I maybe maybe Charlemagne should be up on the board. Okay, okay. let's let's put him up. Um, I think so. Now, I think it's okay for us to take the bucket off, right? I don't think it's the yeah. bucket's fault. No, it wasn't like it was. <laughs> it was too. Uh, too. It was actually too tempting. A mockery. It the wasn't bu- too tempting. The, bu- the bucket was asking for it. <laughs> no, no, I don't think it was. I don't think it's just a little old bucket. <laughs> yeah, it was just being a bucket. Right. Um, and yeah, if any, it's more of a human problem. Now, no clear winner. That's a problem. Uh, we'll keep that on for a little yeah. longer. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the power vacuum. That, that's interesting because it leads to this uh, uh, idea that people can reclaim their power, right? Um, yeah, by power vacuum, do you mean the this the sense that there was really no one uh acknowledged to be the very top and, and in charge? No clear leader. Yeah. yeah. Which gave rise to the Guelphs and the Ghibellines. Yeah, yeah, just the silly the 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 silliness of it all. Um I guess it's not silly. I don't know. It must have been one of those big deals back then. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't think they, they thought it silly. But it's it's an interesting idea to say that the fact that there wasn't someone just ruling with an iron fist is causing really could yeah. be the cause of this of the conflict in that in that everybody's not being kept under the thumb of one person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean They're I think we're making a case humans, for fascism here. No, yeah. I I think just as humans we we respond well to to leaders and if we had and if leaders took it upon themselves to be good leaders then perhaps this world would be a better place i don't think humans really are meant to just that whole individualism thing i'm not sure that works (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you think that we should be told what to do basically no i no you want to know who's in charge and if two people both say they're in charge I just don't think we can all be good at everything. Mm. And so if sure. some people are good at like, I don't know, running a country, let them do it. <laughs> if other people are good at podcasting, let them focus on podcasting and trust that the people who are running the country are going to do a good job, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that, it's Until, not a perfect, yeah. look, it, it clearly no. doesn't work, but in my mind, it should work if I it think, was done properly. I think it's more like if there were two presidents and we're like, wait, wait, which one is really the president? Because they're both telling us what we should do. It's like, no one's perfect. You just got to give someone the job and let them do it. Otherwise, it just creates chaos and we're trying to create order, right? Yes. I think that's what I'm saying too, but maybe I'm not. <laughs> In my mind, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but clearly, <laughs> I'm not getting that across. Now we yeah. got to start folding things into one another. Sure. Yeah. Um, the Some of these are kind re- of related, you know. Yeah, I mean. exactly. I think the the church and state rivalry. Um, we can fold. Uh, I feel like it's it's both of them right so if we fold both of them into the church and state rivalry then that encompasses it fold what the the whole um, empire empire and, and the papacy okay, yeah okay um 
Yeah, I don't know if either one of those you could say is really responsible for the 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 conflict. Mm-hmm. It feels pretty equal, right? Yeah. I mean, these things are very complicated, obviously. We're, we're trying to reduce them yes. to simple <laughs> things that we can understand. Uh-huh. It's yeah. very hard. Trying to get but, it done in under an hour, if that's possible, James. <laughs> and we're not doing a great job. Uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm okay with that, Chris, because this deserves to be... We're going right. to sort this out. <laughs> I got a thing. We're going to take um, all the time we need. No. Uh, so... It's what about the power of symbolism? What, what do, mm. I, I read that and I'm like, how do we blame? Well, the bucket, yeah. I guess we can't really blame the power of symbolism. Okay. Right. Because it, that, that would be if the bucket really were the, the, the cause of it all. I think you could say that, that it's symbol, it's symbolism had something to do with it and, it's, and symbolism is too powerful and it can cause this type of thing. But I don't think that we really no, have. No, no. no. And, but I'm warning you, symbolism is powerful, people. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to believe that until today. <laughs> <laughs> You've convinced me, Rebecca. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, I thought it was no. all nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Not here. Um, let's see. Barbosa, as I, played I, by Jeffrey Rush. Maybe... <laughs> But, he had something to do with it. He was a pretty bad guy. He was a pretty bad guy. Corruption. Emperor. I mean, I feel like we can fold corruption I, into him. Okay. The Emperor Frederick uh, Barbarossa. Power vacuum. Still, uh, Charlemagne. Charlemagne. Can, can we blame him, though? It's interesting. He's the one person that I kind of think like, well, he started it by saying, hey, Pope, why don't you uh, name me? The Holy Roman Emperor. So, mm-hmm. so why don't we fold church-state rivalry into him? Yeah, because I think he okay. basically kind of That's instigated that mm-hmm. or got that rolling. No I don't th- clear I think winner. Take- that's tough, right? Because we're Cause saying that kind of goes with what you're saying about that. That because no one's really in the 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 uh, you know right. recognized power. Uh-huh. We need some specificity. Yeah, I think, I think you can that get rid stays. of etiquette. Oh, bad okay. neighborly etiquette. Yeah, but I be good to your neighbors, people. Yeah, <laughs> I don't mean get rid of it in our regular lives. <laughs> Just on this board. <laughs> yeah, but embrace it in your life. Let's That's not blame. Right. Let's not blame. Don't bad blame etiquette. Yeah. yeah, bad etiquette. Okay, now we've got no clear winner: the Emperor Frederick Barbarossa, power vacuum, and Charlemagne. Those are the top four. I here's what I'm thinking. I think we can fold the emperor into Charlemagne. Because mm, they were both emperors, basically. Yeah. The, they were both the state. And he came later. Emperor Barbarossa. He was later. Yeah, he, he was more around the time of what we're talking about with the bucket. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I mean, an expert would have a field day with us. <laughs> and what and we're we, saying it, here. And, so we're sure that it's not, we can't blame church-state rivalry. Did, we did cross that off, but I just want to make sure that we, we knew can't bring, we, we had We can our always bring it straight. back. We can always bring it back. We kind of, we, full, we said Charlemagne kind of represented that, represented that but maybe right. we bring it back. Maybe. Maybe that's maybe, the folding in of, of Barbarossa and Charlemagne is mm, the church-state rivalry. I think so. So what okay. we could do, here's what I'm thinking. We can fold no clear winner into the power vacuum. And we yep. 
send we we send the church state rivalry to the alarmist jail and we slap the power vacuum (laughs) (laughs) is a slap kind of a second place uh yes yes this is new this is new okay because i yeah if the church state escapes then the power vacuum goes into the jail in its place until we can get the church state back what do you think is that accurate that we're saying it's church state rivalry was the was really what we're blaming. Yes. Mm-hmm. And but it wasn't helped by power vacuum? Yeah. You got it. Okay. Does that make sense? Which also yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're very yeah. It's unsure. just like it's so old, it's so long ago like what do we really know? <laughs> well, it's true, but we have to uh, we have, we to, have to take something as as you know, at least that we have to accept it as true. That's right. And we got to remember our... for them, it was a big deal back then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a big deal. We're laughing about it, but they were like dying because of it. Yes, we're not right. laughing like, that they died, but no, of course no. not. But I'm just saying like, we're like, Oh, it's silly. But they were like incensed. So incensed that they were mm-hmm. like, let's go to battle. Drop your, I don't know what they farmed with back then, but drop your scythe. Scythe. Sure. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Oh, you know, it's the it's what the devil carries. Like oh, the big yes. <laughs> the sickle. Scythe. Same thing, yeah, right? I think. Um, but but of course we know that tragedy plus time equals commas. <laughs> so equals if I'm imagining them all wearing little chimp outfits <laughs> right <laughs> me too okay so so you're uh, point taken james we got it we gotta get serious about this and really okay. and really take a, a side are you Bolo- are you from bologna are you bolognese are you taking the modena oh, side i'm full on with modena oh wow i'm bologna no i'm bologna you're bologna? We're rivals yeah for sure i'm like come on guys get over it it's a stupid bucket Give it back. <laughs> oh, I think they deserve it for being behind the times. You know they what? Don't we know how to make an artesian well. You got you Wait. guys. Uh huh. You guys are making me think we're maybe we're leaving out something that is still prevalent in society today. Because here you are taking sides, mm-hmm. seemingly at random. And so, what if we are uh, to blame tribalism for this? Ooh, because. One if, world. If, if you're on one, one one community. If you're on one side of either the papacy, if you're a Guelph or a Ghibelline, one way it. or another, it's like how does that really affect your daily life? That's wow. a good point. I'm shook. I'm yeah, shook. Yeah, because I think you're right, Chris, because I've thought about that where these kind of divisions on paper mm. can make you think that you're vastly different from somebody, but in your daily life, does it really affect uh, if these things never come up, w- w- you could probably get along very well with that other person. Mm, I, right. I, I saw something about this saying that the, the Guelphs and the Ghibelline, you know, you could that you could see their coat of arms of these towns and you could tell who they were aligned with, the Guelphs or the Ghibellines. Or Ghibellines. Um, and they started being like, you could only shop at certain shops if you were aligned with a certain wow. thing. And that made me think about our current political situation mm-hmm. going like, I could see that happening to where because we're so divided that it's you know that you could almost imagine a this town is for people who are mm-hmm. this is you know we already talk about red and blue states. 
Yes. Um, yes, we do. You guys, we took something from the Middle Ages and we made it current. Mm-hmm. Mm. I love it. Which is I'm, scary that we're dealing with like yes, a middle age mentality. Yes, why haven't we yeah. learned? Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, exactly. so I'm going to say I'm going to I'm going to shake us up and I'm going to say uh like taking sides should go to the alarmist jail. And I'm going to slap the church and state rivalry because that's ex- you know, that's a version that's the bigger is it, thing. Is it tribalism? Is that really what we're tribalism. saying? Tribalism. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm calling it the church and state rivalry. You're getting the big slap. Tribalism, you're going to the alarmist jail. Wow. That what a right. turn. What a turn. Thanks we for being almost bold. messed up. We almost messed up and yeah. slapped a power vacuum. What mm-hmm. were we thinking? James, thank you so much for joining us today and helping us get to the bottom of this very important war. It's very important. Seemingly uh, a joke at first, but uh, I think uh, has some real repercussions into today's uh, society, which we've found. And uh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. The bucket is very near to my heart. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, this I, I want to tell all of our listeners, get a plane ticket and run to that third floor of the city hall at Modena. Yep. And take a picture with that bucket because You'll it's important. You'll be glad you did. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and can I tell you one other quick thing about it? When we went to this uh, balsamic vinegar place called <laughs> Giuseppe Giusti, okay, uh, they they had a tiny version of the um, the the cathedral, it, like a small model of it that was about uh, <laughs> three or four feet tall, and in it was a tiny little bucket hanging up in it. Oh. I have a, I have God, a picture of that too. They're that such I'll send trolls, you. these Modenese. <laughs> like they're trolling. Yeah, exactly. They're so proud of it. Uh, Anyway, I'll send you a picture of that, too. After the War of the Bucket, following Modena's victory, the Modenese signed a peace treaty with Bologna, returning to their relationship prior to the war. All castles captured by Modena were returned to Bologna in return for money, but they never returned the infamous bucket. To this day, the bucket is set to be stored in the basement of Torre de la Guirlandina in Modena. A replica of the original pail is visible in Modena's town hall. Visit our website and let us know who you think is to blame at www.thealarmistpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at The Alarmist Podcast and on Twitter at AlarmistThe. You can also send us your thoughts via email to thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode was produced and engineered by Clayton Early with fact-checking by Chris Smith and editing by Molly Hockey. Thank you to our associate producer and researcher, Alex Paul. The Alarmist is executive produced by Rebecca Delgado-Smith and the Erios Network. Tune in next week. We'll be discussing the South LA fireworks explosion. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.